This week on the Iowa Watch Connection. But honestly, we don't care who's driving the bus. We just want the bus to be moving. Iowa's small towns and rural areas are rethinking things. These people are so dedicated to helping these communities rebuild, and it just inspires you. But that doesn't mean it's easy. Once I fell in love with it and knew what it could do for the town, it was the most noble, it felt like, of efforts because it's the one thing I could do that would move the needle the most. Rural and small town redevelopment, our topic this week. The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein. Ask someone from the east or west coast about Iowa, and they no doubt will describe rural areas dedicated to agriculture, along with small towns and quaint courthouse squares. That's traditionally been a big part of the Iowa lifestyle experience, but it's hardly all there is. Obviously, Iowa's cities of size increasingly resemble cities of size in any other state, and one large shopping mall does tend to look like another. Preserving the idyllic rural way of life is more of a challenge these days. Small towns that are located near larger cities often find it hard to attract and keep businesses to populate a downtown district. And in a world of online shopping, the problem is made worse. A variety of efforts are underway to help Iowa's smaller towns not only survive, but thrive. Bill Menner is the executive director of the Iowa Rural Development Council, which has hosted summits each of the past two years designed for community leaders to come together to discuss their future. I think it's important to note that sometimes the catalyst can be the person who drives the team. It may not be the mayor or the city manager or the chamber director, but it may be a community member who has either attended in the past or heard about the summit who says, you know what, I think we should do this, and they go ahead and put a team together themselves. They don't have to have the official, official you know, stamp of approval from the city. Um, they're a community leader, and they're, they're, they're taking that approach. Now, hopefully when they go back, they're going to sit down with the mayor or the city manager or the chamber director and, and start these conversations. But honestly, we don't care who's driving the bus. We just want the bus to be moving. Those springtime summits are unique, as attendees cannot just come alone. Groups of three people, from communities of no greater than 9,000 population, participate to make sure ideas have a broader base of support. The state's Empower Rural Iowa initiative is also placing greater focus on the need to bolster Iowa's non-urban areas. Growing, investing, and connecting. And they can be defined a lot of different ways. She initially defined them as broadband housing and rural leadership. That's not always going to be the same, and I think what this task force is going to do now that they have made their initial recommendations, now that some of those recommendations were turned into legislation and passed and the governor is, is signing them, uh, is that they can now sit down and think strategically about, okay, housing, broadband, rural leadership. We haven't solved those problems, but we've come up with some recommendations. What's next? And if, we, if you go by some other comments by people at the Rural Summit, uh, some issues that could emerge are, you know, we, we did have a workshop on daycare. Daycare is still a huge challenge in rural communities. Uh, we heard about health care. 
um, whether it's access to health care or recruiting providers to rural communities, there are a whole bunch of health care related issues that, that could very well emerge and that would be appropriate for Empower Rural Iowa to take on if they sh so chose. We heard about water quality. We also heard about agriculture itself, the business of agriculture. You know, rural development, lowercase rural development, often doesn't deal with agriculture. It deals with the value-added elements and the implications of agriculture on communities and vice versa. Um, but a number of people pointed out that small towns and agriculture are so linked, so closely linked, that it's almost uh, odd that there's not a discussion somehow of some element of agriculture. So maybe that's something that, that comes up in discussion. But, but these are all things that have to do with quality of life, uh, with, with the willingness of people to live in small towns, to keep them here, to bring them back, to create institutions that support them, whether it's schools or hospitals or fire departments, uh, churches, and and the governor has given us a platform to really dig deeper into these issues and pull more partners in. We're, that's the thing that's most exciting, is that because of the governor's um, focus on this and her par partnership with us, um, that's brought more people into the Rural Development Council who have said, huh, this is important to us, how do we get involved? The Federal Small Business Administration has a variety of programs designed to help rural areas thrive. Jane Armstrong is the district director of the SBA in Iowa. Basically, we work for small business. You can't get any more simple than that. Um, and SBA oversees, uh, we're a cabinet level agency at the federal level that we oversee, um, either fund or have oversight. Pretty much every small business program out there that relates to small businesses, whether they're starting up or growing their, their business. Um, People sometimes forget that every single corporation got their start as a small business in a garage, around a kitchen table, just like everybody else. And, um, you know, SBA programs have helped companies like Apple, Intel, Federal Express, Nike, Ben & Jerry's, Under Armour, you name it, they got started with SBA programs. So we're very proud of that, and we, um, but we work with businesses all over the country, um, all over Iowa in urban areas and metropolitan areas to our smallest towns. Rural America is especially important to, to SBA. And we have a partnership that we work closely. We always have, but now we have a formalized partnership with USDA Rural Development. Um, we have our programs, we really have tried to align them and we do a lot of referrals back and forth. We're doing a lot of programming together. But you know, our, our roles, and I, I've come from um, I spent a lot of years working with, in rural areas with rural microenterprise and, and aquaculture industry and, and especially food production. So rural is very, very close to me, um, helping our, our smallest towns um, survive, not only survive, but to thrive. And so, um, you know, this is something very close to my heart personally and um, two, that is very important to SBA. We're very involved with the Rural Development Council, and so it's just a natural fit. Our offices might be in Des Moines and Cedar Rapids, but that's just an address. I'm always in my car somewhere in 99 counties, mm -hmm. and you can, uh, you can bet that it's always in rural areas. Prior to directing the Iowa Rural Development Council, 
Bill Menner served as the USDA Iowa Rural Development State Director for eight years. I asked him if he was optimistic about the future. I think I'm optimistic um, because it's so obvious that people in small towns care about the future of their communities. Uh, they're all invested. And, and then when you start um, seeing new generations of leaders emerge, uh, you see new partnerships come about. You see um, projects like what we saw in Jefferson um, with the software developer coming in, partnering with the community and targeting high school kids and training them to be the next generation of coders um, or communities that are t undertaking other innovations with philanthropy. There's really cool stuff going on out there. And the biggest challenge is we, we don't do a good enough job telling the story. Mm. So that's why there is this, this um, myth out there that rural America is dying, that rural towns in Iowa are going away, and it's because we don't beat our chests enough, and we don't proclaim, you know what, here are the great things we're doing, and, and here are the young people that are moving back, and you can look at the demographics, and you can look at the charts, and you can say, oh, nope, you're losing population. Well, maybe we are, but not everywhere. There are places that are changing, and those places that, are, that, that aren't going down or that are at least stemming the tide are doing it because they're being really, really uh, proactive and really innovative, and they're trying new things. And, and when you're dealing with a town of 1,500 people, a small change can have a huge impact. If you make a small change in Des Moines or Cedar Rapids or Waterloo, you may see a, a ripple, mm -hmm. but you can make a small change in a small town and have a huge impact in the end. And that's what we're seeing in some of these places. When we come back, we'll tell you the story of one revitalization project that reclaimed a building with a storied history, giving it new life and a new spark to a downtown region. That's next as the Iowa Watch Connection continues. The Iowa Watch Connection radio program is part of a statewide audience engagement project organized by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, an independent, nonprofit, nonpartisan news organization. The center is dedicated to producing high quality investigative and community affairs journalism in Iowa, while also training journalism students to do this work at a high ethical level. The center is found online at iowawatch.org. Welcome back to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. Grinnell boasts a population of just more than 9,000. The main portion of the city sits just north of Interstate 80, but development of Grinnell to the south easily connects citizens to that major roadway. The Jewel of the Prairie, as they call themselves on banners throughout the town, is home to a private college, a business district that has survived despite large chain stores clustered near the interstate, and now a luxury hotel that once served as the local junior high school. That may not sound like the most logical transition of a building to you. It didn't to me either. But it is an example of how Iowa's smaller areas are reinventing themselves, finding unique points to emphasize and preserve, in an effort to not only provide a higher quality of life for residents, but to attract visitors and their tourism dollars. The Hotel Grinnell features sleeping rooms that once were classrooms, complete with blackboards on the wall. The theme is carried out throughout the facility, 
The main ballroom is the former gymnasium. Conference speakers present from the stage of the old auditorium while attendees sit in theater seats. And the food and drink outlet is called the periodic table, complete with the old gym scoreboard. No small undertaking, as I found out when I talked with Angela Harrington, the driving force behind the building's transformation from abandoned school building to luxury hotel. Well, I'm a serial entrepreneur, and I um, took a break from entrepreneurship when my son was little and decided to do um, some entrepreneurship, running the Chamber of Commerce, the um, Convention and Visitors Bureau, and Community Development here in Grinnell. And that's when I really fell in love with this project. Um, I'll tell you, it was a heavy lift, though. There's a reason that um, luxury hotels, for the most part, haven't been built in small places in over 100 years. So it was, it was a heavy lift. But if you're tenacious and passionate and won't let it go, that where there's a will, there's a way. Now, I grew up just a county up the road in Tama County. And so literally, I recall probably 45 years ago being in this building when it was a school. Yeah. And... I know from some of the people who have attended this event, there are people who, it's a walk down memory lane. You must get that an awful lot from people who have an unexpected reaction when they realize where they are. Yeah, I would say it was a, it was not a school for 40 years, mm-hmm. so not quite as much as you'd think. Yeah. Um, but it certainly is um, a fun thing when they say, oh, I, this was Mrs. So-and-so's class or that kind of thing. That's a lot of fun. I have the ability to imagine something and create audio or create video. Uh-huh. I could no more look at an empty building and imagine the end product. Mm. It takes a special, to me anyway, it takes a special sort of gift to be able to imagine it, create it, and carry it through. When you saw the structure, what spoke to you about the possibilities? It's uh, a lot less grand than you might think. Um, one day I was in this building and I was just looking in all of the nooks and crannies and I opened up a closet on second floor and I thought, oh my gosh, the janitor's closet would be a perfect hotel maid's closet. And it's silly things like that. And it was actually that, that then I got to thinking, well, all of these could be um, hotel rooms and why couldn't the gym be our our ballroom? And so it, it had a kind of humble beginnings in my brain actually. Um, but you know, the main thing is we were really looking, and I say we, it was really a, took a community to, to raise a hotel, if you will. Once I did the due diligence and once I did the business plan, I realized that a hotel for a downtown is really the holy grail of 18-hour vitality and also um, pushing on that local economy. Because, you know, we're all... Um, pushing dollars around between each other, but it's a whole nother thing when you get a visitor's dollars to run around downtown. And if you don't make it easy for a visitor to do that with, like here, 19 restaurants within a block's walk, Mm -hmm. you know, 10 shops, all kinds of great entertainment venues, that kind of thing. So that that's really what drove me to keep on going because it was nine years in the making and it took uh, eight to figure out how we were going to make the math pencil out Mm -hmm. and only one under construction and then there were two people who um, I really got in over my head on the the 
um, financial picture. The struggle, uh, the it's really a complex financial stack. And so I reached out um, to a guy in Des Moines who's an expert at that. And then I, um, by that time, had identified a partner um, to be in this with me. So it, it certainly wasn't alone. And um, when there were roadblocks that oh, we're not going to solve it, um, other experts came to the rescue. And it's a matter, and you mentioned perseverance, because mm-hmm. once you were in the building and, and you say it just came to you, in yeah. essence, which is a wonderful thing, but once you have that vision, it's really hard to let anything get in the way, isn't it? Once you've yeah. committed mentally and emotionally to a project like this? Yeah, I was thinking about this. I'm working on another project. Someone was saying that, oh, so-and-so is going to you know, think about that. And I said, I wish them the best of luck, but they'll give up long before I will. And it's just really frustrating and really hard. And it's a lot of financial sacrifice too, because until you get going, I mean, there's, you know, not a lot of resources to go around to put food on your own table. So it's hard. It's hard. But once I fell in love with it and knew what it could do um, for the town, It was the most noble, it felt like, of efforts because it's the one thing I could do that would move the needle the most. I don't care how long it takes, we're doing it. we got to get going. And also, I'm old enough that whenever I'm in a pickle, I reach out to really smart people who are smarter than me Mm -hmm. to say, okay, I'm at a a stopping point here. I I can't seem to move this one piece. What do I do? Mm -hmm. So, um, and in that way, um, it, yeah, I get to be the... The one at the end that everyone looks to, but it was a, a series of people that um, one took it across the finish line in this way, another kept it going mm-hmm. um, by jumping in and being a partner with me. So mm-hmm. it's been an amazing journey. As you look at it today, what is most gratifying to you that still drives you to not only come here and have a very hands on role here, but to think, we could do this project here, mm. I could steer this project here, etc. This is kind of a dumb story. One, I've always been a person, in, especially in this community, that, that's pushing on um, trying to make things happen, kind of no matter what. There needs to be a variety of offerings for visitors, residents, workforce. So someone was telling me, what do we need another hotel for? There's already, you know, five hotels at the interstate, you know, flagged uh, boxes. And I said, that's like saying, you have a McDonald's in your town. You don't need another restaurant. You're good. You're good with the McDonald's. It's just really important for communities to try to get a variety of offering in hotels and restaurants and dining. But the reason it's a heavy lift and why it's so, so hard is because we don't have the density that would naturally make that happen. Mm -hmm. So it's not gonna happen on its own, Mm -hmm. and it's gonna need a lot of creative thinking to figure out how to make that math work. Because at the end of the day, this is a real business, Mm -hmm. and the math has to work. Mm -hmm. You have to pay your your team, and you have to keep the lights on and pay the mortgage, and so at the end of the day, the, the numbers have to work. So many people don't think of businesses as businesses. They may be an employee, and they don't think that 
there's somebody on the hook for everything. Oh, yeah. And when you're starting a project like this, you're acutely aware of it oh, at yes. every single step. What did this process, again, decade long almost, what did this teach you about yourself? I'm really aware of how much I've learned about getting really smart people to help you along the way. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess I more learned about myself, who I was and wasn't in my earlier entrepreneurial days, mm -hmm. thinking I could, you know, oh, I got this, it'll be fine. You know, I don't, so um, that's something that I can't quite believe. At the same time, a project like this um, it's pretty humbling um, when it finally comes to fruition. I've kind of always, you know, really tried to be impactful. I really want to make a difference. It's important to me. It's what drives me. I'm one of the most resourceful people that I have met. <laughs> that makes no sense. But I think the tenacity and resourcefulness is I think my competitive edge mm -hmm. is again I would someone was saying oh there's a company that's gonna come and eat your lunch mm -hmm. or that's gonna try that too mm -hmm. and even though there might be a lot more sophistication or on the finance end mm -hmm. or a lot more money behind them if it comes to outplaying outlasting mm -hmm. I'm I'm pretty fierce competitor that way. I might just outlast you. Angela Harrington, owner of the Hotel Grinnell, located across the street from the public library to the east and Central Park to the south. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can connect with us online, iowawatch.org. Click on the Iowa Watch Connection tab at the top of the page to listen to all or part of this program again for a list of stations that carry the program and more, iowawatch.org. Follow us on Twitter at Iowa Watch and be sure to use the hashtag IAWatchConnection when commenting about the program. We're on Facebook too, facebook.com slash iowawatch. And you can let us know your thoughts about this program or suggest ideas for future programs by email. The address is radio at iowawatch.org. The program is produced in the studios of News Talk 1540 KXEL, Waterloo, Cedar Falls, Cedar Rapids. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you'll make the Iowa Watch Connection again next week. The Iowa Watch Connection is a copyrighted presentation of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, which is solely responsible for its content. For more information about the center, including how you can contribute so high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism and student training can continue, go online, iowawatch.org.